The tournament is where Cinderella stories begin, and big wins happen on the biggest stage. With Gambat DC, you could make your Cinderella story a reality. Take advantage of new player bonuses online and in app, or play in person for boosted parlays. You can bet on all 63 games, even if your bracket's busted, and play from the edge of your seat with exciting in-game bets. Make your bets now with Gambet DC. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Welcome to Beware of Spoilers. I am Adam, and if you listened to this morning's episode of Moon Knight, you know that I said I was going to be seeing the Northman today. But as the title probably is indicative to people who are subscribed or people who are um, just looking for reviews of this movie and found this, evidently I did not see the Northman tonight. The reason for that being... The Northman is two hours long and wasn't starting until 7 o'clock. The unbearable weight of massive talent started at 6, and as a result, it's only an hour and 45, so I was able to get out at 8. And it's really about, you know, tomorrow I'm seeing whichever one I didn't see today, so flip the two, and now we're seeing The Northman tomorrow. So, yeah, so here we are. for those of you who are not subscribed and found it via searching for this title on um, on your podcast app, please subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. Uh, this way we can try and get more attention, um, and you can do all of that on your podcasting app. Um, but, and now here we are. Let's talk about today's topic, which is the unbearable weight of massive talent. The movie that's very meta stars Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage. Um, basically, the general premise of the movie is Nicolas Cage and his wife are getting a divorce. Um, he's been having a hard time getting roles. He finally gets a role, and um, that that role that he gets is not to be in a movie like he wants to be in about a Boston gangster. No, the job he gets is to show up at a rich guy's birthday party for a million dollars, and then once he's there, you know, just be there for the birthday party, and, you know, the friend, uh, the guy is played by Pedro Pascal. Um, so basically that's what we're kind of working with here. Um, now if you recall, when I talked about, uh, this was years ago at this point, when I talked about Madden, it was either 17, 18, or 19, whichever one was the first one that introduced the, uh, the story mode, um, which, um, was called, uh, Long Shot. The basic premise of Long Shot, for those of you who, uh, may not remember, was it's this story about this kid who is in college, he wants to be a professional athlete, and him and his friend, you know, they, they went to school together, they both played, um, they both played, they went to the same college together, and he's gonna get the chance to prove himself to, and he wants to prove himself and become a, uh, a major, you know, a major candidate to play in the NFL. Your character, I believe your character was, um, strong-armed into being a quarterback by the story, like, you couldn't get running back, quarterback, running, why was he running on that, you had to be a quarterback, 
your friend Colt, he is a uh, he is a, uh, a wide receiver. So, you know, you play through the story and all of that. And when you start the story, it seems like it's going to be this heartfelt thing about all of that. And then as the story progresses, it kind of evolves and becomes something entirely different. In this case, what it becomes is it's like a Hell's Kitchen-style game show where they, the, you know, it's designed for players who don't quite do well in the standard, like, combine and all of that to try and, you know, make a name for themselves so that way they can get drafted even though they didn't do great there. Um, so you end up on this show called Longshot, and that's all of that. And it's one of those things where, like, as you're watching it, as you're playing through the game, and I think I said this at the time, you know... There is the beginnings of a really cool game here and a really deep and interesting story because sports stories have always intrigued us. Like if you play, like if you've if you've ever heard, like you know boxing movies and and you know sporting movies and TV have always been things and, and even books that are there because it is a very primal kind of man versus man. You can you know it is about you know it is a physical challenge that is easy to quantify and overcome. So that kind of thing fit a little bit. And, you know, that story works. Especially when you have Mahershala Ali playing the deceased father. Um, and then, you know, the family drama that went into Colt. Um, Colt it's not Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is a real person. I want to say his name was Colt, though. Um, maybe it is Colt McCoy. Maybe Colt McCoy isn't a real person. I think Colt McCoy is a real person, though. But either way, you know, you, you go through all of that. And, and I think that, you know... Either doing the long shot game show, which would have been a great story for this, for, for, for that game, doing that or doing the, the dramatic take on it where you're trying to, you know, you know, get that chance and, and, you know, get through the combine and, and play through college and, and all of that cool stuff, you know. Either one of those would have been good, but then when you take the two of them and kind of mix them together, you get this weird mishmash that doesn't quite gel and doesn't quite have an emotional grip to it um, as you're going through the story, and it doesn't quite feel right, where you could do a game about either or, and it would work, but because you're taking the two and creating this amorphous mess of a, of a, of a story, nothing quite meshes right. So... And by the way, I'm just going to address this completely unrelated. Um, in New York, specifically in Suffolk County as well, they've waived the gas tax um, because of the increase in gas prices. So, like, in, um, what's it called? In, um, in Suffolk County, there is an independent gas tax on top of, um, what's it called? On top of the state gas tax, both of which have been waived in an effort to um, drive down gas prices um, during this current, you know, economic situation. Uh, I like that they did that. Gas prices dropped for, like, two days, and then they all jacked right back up to where they were before, um, which indicates to me that it's just the gas companies hoping that no one noticed for those two days before raising it back up and pocketing all that money as additional income. Uh, it's just kind of silly to me that no one's calling them on that. But, Back to the topic at hand. Now, the the unbearable weight of massive talent has kind of a similar issue to it. Um, it has this this weird, amorphous kind of like you know where there are two movies there, and 
you know, they address it in the movie, and I, I, I really hate when movies do this, where the whole thing is an experiment in meta-ness, and I think that, like, as I was watching the beginning part of it, I'm like, this movie would work a lot better if, it, if Nick Cage wasn't playing himself, and it was just another actor, because, like, the idea of, like, the actor who's aging out, again, is kind of timeless, where it always works. I mean, recently we saw Quentin Tarantino do it with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where, you know, that's what DiCaprio's character was. It was, he was, you know, he, he was one of these people who was on, I think he was a TV star. No, he was a movie star. And then he ends up on TV and he's old and washed up and he's dealing with not only, in this case, you deal with not only your use as an actor, but it's also a metaphor broadly for your usefulness as a person and dealing with your own mortality. Like, your career is slowly coming to an end. What does that mean for you as a person as you get closer to that end? And it's an interesting story that they tell in that case, and it works in that movie. I think that, you know, if we look at, like, you know, what this is, that's an interesting story we can we can tell, where it's, like, this idea of him taking all the roles. And, and like, these sequences where he talks to the younger version of himself... Um, are really interesting. It reminds me of um, the last movie star with Burt Reynolds, um, or even once upon a time with in Hollywood with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio being put into these classic roles. Like at one point, he takes over Steve McQueen's role in um, The Great Escape, and it's you know it is it's a really cool thing. And, and they do it here too, where we get these cool sequences of him talking to himself and 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 at times they're played for laughs but there is a deeper philosophical kind of thing that goes along with that where it's this guy and he's he's not living up to the aspiration that the younger version of him wanted um and and it is a you know it is the kind of thing that would be cool to explore further um and, and it would have been cool if this movie explored that a little bit before getting into the, you know, the kidnapping and, and all of that subplot. And the idea, like, part of it is, too, the movie works a lot better if you go into it kind of blind. Like, I think that had I not seen the trailer ad nauseum before every single fucking movie I've seen in the last few weeks or a few months, I may have gone into this a little bit cleaner. But, like, there are certain things that they do in this movie that work better not knowing that it's coming. Like, or what the payoff of that scene is going to be. Um, so if you can avoid, if you have avoided trailers up until now, good for you, um, You and, and you go and see this movie, you're probably going to get a better experience out of viewing it than someone who has seen the trailer ad nauseum before every movie they've seen for the last, you know, four months, five months. Um, what else is that to address with this? I don't want to spoil it too much, because I feel like a lot of what works about the movie operates best going in without knowing it. Um, I mean, Nick Cage is Nick Cage. You're going to get what you're going to get out of him. And, and, you know, it works for the context of the movie, and everything works very well. Um, and, you know, before I saw it today, I was kind of being like, you know, it feels like a joke that went too far. Like, you know, I said with uh, Ambulance... I, I didn't see the movie yet, but, you know, when I was writing off why I'm not going to see Ambulance, I said it feels like some screenwriter during the pandemic got bored, played a fuck ton of GTA Online, and then was like, hey, wait a minute, if I write a screenplay that kind of follows one of these, I can always write this off as a tax write-off, and then thus Ambulance was born, and then Michael Bay signed on, and here we go. 
Uh, this one, I was kind of writing it off as it feels like it was written as a joke or a spec script, and then person A play, uh, reads it, person B reads it, and then it just keeps going on and on and on. After seeing the movie, what it feels like more is a script that was written with the idea that, oh, we can do something kind of deep, and then we can do kind of a meta-analysis on, um, what's it called? We can do a kind of meta-analysis on, um, uh, you know, Hollywood and all of that, which is kind of what it tries to do, but it, it doesn't do it successfully. Um, and it feels like putting in a line like, oh, well, it doesn't sell unless it's Marvel or Star Wars, so we gotta put a kidnapping in. Um, like, putting that commentary in feels like an attempt to hand wave away why they're doing what they're doing but at the same time for a movie like this if they were just doing Nick Cage as Nick Cage it would have if not gotten a theatrical release I think had they played it straight and just been Nick Cage as the aging Nick Cage I feel like there there's a chance he may have been able to pull an Oscar nomination if it was just that um in all, it's like, it's a perfectly, you know, serviceable movie. Like, I think that that's the problem here, is that ultimately the product that we end up with is not groundbreaking, it's not earth-shattering, there's nothing new or great about it. In fact, the ending of the movie isn't even the first time I've seen this kind of, you know, misdirect. In the last month, they do a misdirect at the end of the movie that I've seen in a movie earlier this month, and I don't want to say which one, because it'll spoil what happens, but, you know, for both movies. But I, I feel like this is, you know, there's nothing earth-shattering about it. There's nothing that I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this needs to be seen. This is the kind of thing that would have been a great Netflix movie or a great Amazon Prime movie. So whenever it inevitably finds its streaming home, someone will have a perfectly amusing afternoon watching this movie. Or, or if it ends up on TBS or on TNT or something like that people will find this movie and people will enjoy this movie at that point. I don't think that, you know, this movie is going to be something that we're going to be talking about for ages and ages and ages. I don't think that it's a movie that, you know, it is something that I don't think that having seen it once, I don't think I'll put it on a second time and be like, I need to watch this movie again. If I see it, you know, if I, like, that's the thing. As I sit here and I think about it, I'm like, is this a movie that I would add to my collection? Um, having seen it. And I think that's the big thing. If I haven't seen a movie, I'm more likely to pick it up and buy the DVD um, because I haven't seen it and I want to be able to watch it whenever and I have to sift through 30 streaming services to figure out which one I have to go to to watch this movie. And while I'm watching a movie, my thought is, well, how much would I pay for a DVD of this? And I'm thinking I probably have no desire to ever watch the movie again. I've seen it once. And, and for that one time, it's fine. But I have no desire to go out of my way to figure out where I can watch this movie a second time. It's not one of those things where a repeat viewing is going to benefit the viewer in any way, shape, or form. It is, it, it is one of those things where this movie, you know, could probably be, you know, could probably be better from taking the two independent strands and making it into two different movies. Um, kind of like, you know, cracking open a strand of DNA and, and turning it into two, but I feel like there's definitely, there, there's definitely more to be had with this movie as two independent, different features instead of one feature that kind of, I don't want to say feels misguided, but it does feel a little scattershot in its approach to 
the story it's trying to tell. Um, and then on top of it, they always point out character-driven. Um, that's something they keep driving home, is that you want a character-driven story, you want a character-driven story. Nick Cage doesn't have a clear motivation in the movie um, through most of it. Um, Javi does. Javi very much wants to, you know, he very much wants to make his movie. And he wants to separate out from his family and be his own person. Like, it is very obvious what Javi's wants are throughout the movie. Um, but what Nick Cage wants is not abundantly clear, um, or important to an extent. It's kind of like he's a pass. he's kind of passive in the movie, and for some, for a movie that sits there and is like, it's character-driven, it's character-driven, it's character-driven, well, character-driven doesn't just mean it's entirely about these two characters who, you know, who want something or aggressively want nothing. Like, you know, it does does he want to reconnect with his daughter and his wife? Does he want to have, you know, does he want to be this, you know, be the person that, you know, does he want to be a movie star? What does he want? It isn't an aggressive not want, which is which would work too. Like there are some movies where characters can aggressively not want something and then it could just, you know, work like that. Like I think famously Clerks is a movie where the protagonists aren't, you know, anyone who wants something. Like, Dante and Randall don't want anything. They just want to get... I mean, I guess wanting to get through your day is a want, but it's not... They're not, you know, aggressively... You know, we have a drive that we're going to do from beginning to end of this movie. I feel like that's something that... In a movie like this, you need to have your protagonist have something. And not kind of just be shuttled around from point A to point B to point C to point D. There needs to be a proactive want... Like, people give Jin, Jin Urso shit in Rogue One because, well, what does Jin want in this movie? I You can say the same thing about this. Nick Cage doesn't have a want um, in this movie. He doesn't have a striving force that he is out there trying to do. Uh, and I think that also hurts the movie a little bit. Um, and, and I think the other thing is the reason why Nick Cage being cast caused what it is is it does cut down the budget a substantial amount. The amount of money you pay to have Nick Cage in the movie, um, it, it does get, it does also offset the visual effects of having to, you know, de-age someone else who doesn't have a robust film catalog from a younger era, and then on top of that, you don't have to, um, digitally insert him into old scenes, you can just pay the licensing fee to license Con Air, or to license, um, like, Face Off, or to license National Treasure, um, you can just pay the fees and move on with your day, instead of, you know, having to sit here and, you know, de-age someone, and then get permissions on top of it, um, I don't know, it feels, a, a lot of what happens in this movie feels a little very superficial, um, but, if you're looking for something just entertaining and, and all of that, you know, we get... See, and here's my problem. I haven't seen The Northman yet. And I think that had I seen The Northman, it would make my assessment of this movie a little bit differently. Not because it would make me be like, oh, well, The Northman is so much better. But if someone has to pick one movie to go this weekend, I would say it's probably a safe bet The, Nor the Northman is the better movie of the two. Um, but if you're looking for just an entertaining movie, I, I don't see why this movie wouldn't be entertaining for just the average moviegoer who's not looking for... And, and the thing is, too, I can't say that about The Northman. I don't know what The Northman really is. 
it's from from the trailer I've seen, it looks like Hamlet, but with Vikings, which sounds awesome. Like, but we haven't had any real explanation as to what what that really entails, and, and I haven't seen the movie to be able to say definitively one way or the other what this movie is going to be. Um, besides the fact that it looks really cool, and Ethan Hawke is in it, and um, it was, and um, so is uh, what's it called? So is um, Anya Taylor Joy and Willem Dafoe. So I, that's that's really all I can say about the movie without seeing it. Um, so we'll wrap up there for today. Um, our next episode is going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm seeing Northman, so that will be tomorrow's episode. And uh, yeah, we'll wrap up there, and we'll be back with that tomorrow uh, evening. Um, so until then, have a great rest of your day.